American Heritage. That was Madison Rising playing their take on God Bless America, written by Irving Berlin. However, my name is Ed Bonarenka, and I am not your normal fluffy insurrectionist. And working the board and the phone lines is Derek Stone, who also hosts Stone Cold Sports Sundays at noon 30. Right after my friend Sean Todd, the Rock and Rev on the intersection at noon, it's not your normal fluffy Christian show. It's day 430 of the coup, the theft of the American government by enemies, both foreign and domestic. They want you to bow down and worship Caesar, to make the government your God, your provider. A government not for the people or by the people, but by the theft of an election. We wrestle not just against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age and against spiritual hosts of wickedness. This is spiritual warfare, good versus evil. Psalm 144 once again says, Blessed be the Lord, my rock, who trains my hands for war and my fingers for battle, my loving kindness and my fortress, my high tower, my deliverer, my shield, and the one in whom I take refuge. You know what that says? That says he's your high tower. You got the high place. You get to shoot down on the enemy. That's the place to be. And he's your shield. He's your protective device. He's your patriot system. Okay. So he's giving the hands and fingers, clasp them together. Bow your heads and let's go to war. Father, thank you for the gift of this country that you have placed us in. Help us to protect and preserve this gift that you have given us. Please lead us and guide us today and in the days to come. And please restore the political prisoners in DC to their freedom. Please continue to awaken the American people from their slumber, those that aren't aware of the danger. Please move and provoke a spiritual awakening from the false religion of wokeness. Please help us retake the government from the traitors and the criminals that have stolen it. And please move mightily and either bring these oppressors to a place of repentance or imprisonment. Amen. It's March. It's Women's History Month. Thank you. It's March. It's Women's History Month, which begs the question, what is a woman? You may have heard some of this with Marsha Blackburn asking Katanji Brown Jackson a simple question. Here's the long form. The Supreme Court struck down VMI's male-only admission policy. Writing for the majority, Justice Ginsburg stated, supposed inherent differences are no longer accepted as a ground for race or national origin classifications. Physical differences between men and women, however, are enduring. The two sexes are not fungible. A community made up exclusively of one sex is different from a community composed of both. Do you agree with Justice Ginsburg that there are physical differences between men and women that are enduring? Um, Senator, respectfully, I am not familiar with that particular quote or case, so it's hard for me to... Okay, comment as to whether. All right, I'd love to get your your opinion on on that, and you can submit that. Do you interpret Justice Ginsburg's meaning of men and women as male and female? Again, because I don't know the case, I don't know how I interpret it. I need to read the whole thing. Okay, 
Uh, can you provide a definition for the word woman? Can I provide a definition? Mm -hmm. No. Yeah. I can't. You can't? N not in okay. this context. So I'm not a biologist. The meaning of the word woman is so unclear and controversial that you can't give me a definition? Senator, in my work as a judge, what I do is I address disputes. If there's a dispute about a definition, people make arguments and I look at the right. law and I decide. Well, so I'm not. So a dispute about the definition of women. Now you've heard this before on other shows. And I, I, you know, I hope I'm not boring you with this, but it's kind of interesting. Some things <laughs> I haven't heard said is that she seems to expect that the Supreme Court is going to have to rule on what a woman is, that there will be a dispute about the definition. Now, it's not that Katanji Jackson can't tell you what a woman is, it's that she won't. Matt Walsh asked groups of women what a woman was, and they wouldn't answer. They knew the answer, but it was like those uh, Waters, Jesse Waters uh, shows where he'd go around and for Bill O'Reilly, and he'd ask people questions like, uh, who was the founding father, who was the first president? And they'd say like, oh, I don't know, Roosevelt, you know? But these people didn't give wrong answers. They just gave no answer. They were afraid to answer. Now, let's talk about the fear of standing up for the truth. This is a clip of Candace Owens talking to Dr. Robert Malone. And now to precede this, he's gonna be talking about an experiment that's been done, it's rather well known, where subjects are told that in another room, these terrorists or somebody must be electrocuted to a certain degree for the common good or for some good reason that the person wearing the white lab coat tells them. And they're expected to press the button for the period of time that they press the button. Now, why the lab coat guy can't do it? Well, they never seem to ask that. So here's Dr. Malone talking to Candace Owens sometime soon. Uh, an electroshock um, in which a large fraction of the population, over 60% of people, upon insistence by somebody in a white lab coat, a position of authority, will turn up the knob and they're hearing the screams of the prisoner being subjected to electrocution. Mm -hmm. um, uh, and they'll turn it up to a lethal level if they're told that they need to because the person isn't giving the right answer. It's about 60% of the population that are doing that. So the good news is that a little over 30% of the population won't go along with that. And if you have, this this gets into right where we're at right now and why it's important I keep speaking up. And Matthias has unfortunately emphasized that I don't have any choice. Um, Peter McCullough and I were on a podcast with him and he said, you guys have to keep speaking up. Dissidents have to keep speaking up because otherwise the population will go even deeper into the mass psychosis. So in this experiment in which um, authority figures telling the subject that they have to turn up the electricity that's being administered to the off camera subject, but they can hear their, his screams, mm -hmm. okay? If there are others around them that refuse to do that and they're aware of that, they become far more likely to be resistant to the authority um, telling them to subject the unknown prisoner to pain. Mm. We must continue in a calm way with open hearts and love to try to help them and, and con 
continue to try to provide information. Now, I just realized, why am I playing an audio clip when I could have read all that to you quicker? Well, there's two reasons. One is I have a sore throat today. And the second is that uh, I'm arguing from the position of authority. I'm having somebody else, Dr. Malone, tell you this. But what he's telling you is that you have to stand up. 30% of the population will say, no, I'm not pressing that button. The rest of them will. That's the ticket right there. People doing what they're told to do, wearing a mask, taking a shot, giving a shot, withholding life-saving protocols like ivermectin or hydroxychloroquine for fear of losing their jobs. We had Stacey Andrasek on here a few weeks ago whose husband died because doctors would not give her husband, Ryan, the medicine he needed to save his life for fear of losing their job. They self-admitted it. It's the same for telling the truth, fear. One of my favorite movies, Courageous by the Kendricks brothers, has an immigrant character who desperately needs a job to support his family. He gets it and a chance of promotion, but the boss tells him he'll have to cook the books to keep the job. Now he has time to think about it and he comes back and tells the boss he won't. He's courageous. It's been my lifelong experience. The people who sit in a classroom as confused as I am wondering, what the heck is the instructor saying? except for fifth grade with Mrs. Fiedler. And no one will ask out of fear of ridicule. Never stopped me, especially once I realized I was in a room of people who thought everybody else knew what was going on and were afraid to speak up, fear. So let me tell you, <clears throat> I know what a woman is. I can tell you what a woman is. I married one, a great one, I love her. She will not be my guest today. I have another woman today as a guest and she is fearless. And I'm going to ask my guest to tell me what a woman is. Cindy Holland, welcome to the show. Hello, thank you for having me. Isn't that a long introduction? What is a woman? Uh, <laughs> it's so funny. Okay, so a woman is an adult female. And an adult female is born with um, double X chromosome. And with reproductive organs, such as an ovary, a uterus, and a cervix. Wait a minute. Are you a biologist? Are you, oh, are no, you I'm not a bi biologist. You know, oh. um, it, it, it's, it's amazing. You know, this is just an uh, extension of their continuous indoctrination of our country. And they're trying to... Um, with this, this is all social experiments, right? We know that this is what they're doing to us. And uh, so they're just trying to uh, hope that this sticks with people. So what we found with um, mostly the Democrat base is Democrats say something. Then all the other little Democrats, you know, their voter base and all of those people will just repeat and parrot those talking points over and over and over. Because as Hitler said, if you repeat a lie enough, it becomes the truth which it doesn't really become the truth, but it's perceived as the truth. Yeah, exactly. And uh, you mentioned it's like a social experiment. It's just like the social experiment Dr. Malone was talking about. Will you continue to push the button even when you hear the screams from the other room? Will you just do, I was only doing what I was ordered to do. You know, I was only following orders. That's or will you stand up and do the right thing? So. You, I had you on for a couple well, of reasons. Well, I can tell you that I will stand. Oh, sorry about that. I no, think no, we please. have a little bit of a delay. 
Yeah, please go ahead. Um, so I would not push the button. I don't care if there were a thousand people ahead of me pushing the button. I would ask them, why are you pushing the freaking button? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And that's that's what we want, folks. We need people to stand up and say, I'm not pushing the button. I'm not taking the shot. People like Tim Rugg, Fireman Tim from, from uh, Ann Arbor, who quit his job before he would give up you know, his religious principles and take the jab. And there are numerous people who have done that. And it's not just, you know, uh, Tim, but it's numerous people who have done that and stood up. So that's that's what we're looking for. That's part of what we're trying to encourage with this show is to show people. Well, like Dr. Malone was saying, uh, if not in the clip I played elsewhere in the interview, I'm not sure now. But if enough people stand up, Others will stand up too. They will be encouraged. Once you ask the question, other people that realize they're not the only one who doesn't know what the heck is going on. <laughs> exactly. For And here's an example. Um, one day, my son came home, told me that he was having difficulties in his class. He was in high school at the time. and um, And I said, well, you need to ask questions. If you don't know something, you need to ask questions. He says, well, I'm afraid to ask the questions. I don't want to be the only one asking questions. I said, well, here's the thing. If if you ask the question, I, 90% of the time, somebody else in that classroom has the same question, but they're afraid to ask it just like you are. Bingo. And so you are not just helping yourself. You are helping everyone else in that classroom who is afraid to ask the question. And then once you ask the question, everybody else is, they're, they're not as afraid. You know, they just need somebody else to, to help lead them down that path of strength. And so um, that's what he did. And he I'm found that you, it worked out. I'm glad you put I'm good for him. And I'm glad you, you did that for him. And I'm glad you put it that way because I didn't want to exactly put myself in a position of saying, and I did it for everybody else. But frankly, I have done that. I've asked the question, even if I know the answer, I'll ask the question because I know there are other people that don't. I remember sitting in an electricity class once uh, when I was training as an apprentice and the teacher said something was just demonstrably wrong, but he did it to instill a fear of electricity in the apprentices. He wanted to make sure they never ever got electrocuted. But I had to ask him, I says, is it true you can get uh, electrocuted for under 50 volts? And he said, well, yes. I said, well, don't you have to have like an open cut or an open wound and then place the electrodes in there and hold them and it has to go through your heart? Well, yes. So well, why don't you point that out instead of giving these people a wrong impression of electricity and, and letting them be intelligent and informed and doing what they know is right instead of trying to cower them in fear. And then they, they find out later you lied to them, which will happen. And then they wonder about anything else you said. Mm -hmm. And he apologized to the class and it settled that. Um, not the hero. I'm just I'm the guy that talks too much. That's the guy. <laughs> well, and, so, and sometimes people just need someone that is going to take that first step and then and then they they're not as afraid themselves anymore so um we have to recognize uh sometimes that we do have to step up and uh clear the path for someone else now um we're gonna have you stay over after the break i uh, we've barely gotten started talking to you and i want to encourage people to call but after the break please after we've established some things here and so the number is 734-822-1600 and um even if you're cindy holland's son and you just want to say hi mom on the air that's okay but uh 
Cindy, how did you get, you are a political activist. Is that the correct term? Is that polite to say, as opposed to say gadfly? Yes, that is. Okay, uh, good. That's, that is a correct answer, yes, yes. How did you get started? Uh, okay, so uh, I might get a little emotional. Sometimes I do, sometimes I don't. It depends on the, the setting. Um, when I talk about this, because it's, it's, oh, that's the definition of a woman. It hits home for me. <laughs> <laughs> that's part of it. Yes. And, um, so, you know, I started noticing things that just did not seem right to me. That was happening in our country. Um, what, one of the things were, um, I, I've been a, a vaccine, a choice advocate for, for many, many years. And, um, when I first started in the in the um, vaccine choice advocacy um, realm, I uh, didn't really understand that there was any connection to uh, politics with the vaccines back then. Um, it was all simply just um, a matter of medical choice to me at that time. But um, as we have progressed, I think a lot of people are now understanding that vaccines are being used as political tools. And to some degree. Um, and so uh, so I did that. And um, moving along, um, I started noticing things that just did not seem right. So I set out to do a lot of research. And um, as I was researching things, um, I, I've, I found out some stuff. Uh, as I was growing up, you know, I always heard about this thing called Agenda 21. And I don't know if a lot of people uh, um, uh, that are listening to the show most of them probably know who Woody Harrelson is. Um, he's actor. an actor. Um, but they may not remember or know that uh, in the 80s, he used to talk about Agenda 21 and what our government was doing. And he, he was blackballed from Hollywood for a long time because of it. Um, he recent, I don't know what happened with him, but he is back in Hollywood now. But anyways, that's what triggered me. Because when I'm researching all of this stuff and I'm finding out different things, um, the Agenda 21 popped into my mind and I thought, what is this Agenda 21? Because as I was growing up, everybody always said, oh, that's a conspiracy theory. There's no, no reality in that and what have you. And so I grew up thinking it was all a conspiracy theory. That was me. And uh, so, yeah. And then, <laughs> and so then as I'm moving forward, I'm thinking to myself, you know what? I remember this thing called Agenda 21 that people used to talk about. So I set out to research that and I ran across cross articles and YouTube videos of people talking about it, giving their interpretation of of their perception and ideals of what Agenda 21 has in it and all of this kind of stuff. And I thought it was OK, but I wanted to actually read it myself. So then I set out to find out where do I find Agenda 21? I need to read it myself. So I found it on the United Nations website. And um, I downloaded it. It's a very large file. You have to do it from a computer. You can't do it from your phone. And uh, I read it. And after I read that, I thought, there lies the answers to all the questions of why is this? Why is that? Why are there? Uh, why is there a war on white men? Why is there a war on uh, the Constitution? Why are women all of a sudden being lifted up to these positions of authority? Well, and why 
our, our schools indoctrinating our children? Well, it's all written into Agenda 21. It's essentially the blueprint to the new world order. You know, so that was my niche. I'm sorry. Yes. Go ahead. No, that's that's fine. You're absolutely right. And actually, I'd I'd hope to have. I I forgot to get the clip of uh, Joe Biden uh, reiterating that uh, we need to press forward and lead the new world order. But Agenda 21 is so passe now, right? <laughs> They've moved mm -hmm. on. Uh, Agenda was Agenda 30, and uh, now it's 2030. Because 2030, yes. Obama Agenda 2030. Went in there and, uh, yep. Obama went in there, rewrote some things, put it on the fast forward. Uh, he wants it. He wants things because Agenda 21, for those who don't know, is written on a timeline, and it specifically says to follow the timeline because if you try to push through these things too quickly, you will alert the masses and they will rise up. Do you believe that? So when he, if the goal was twenty twenty one, what happened in twenty sixteen that kept the great uh, the agenda twenty twenty one being implemented in twenty twenty one? Um, Donald Trump. Wow! So Donald that's Trump amazing. put a. Put, Donald Trump put the brakes on it. Now I did uh, see a clip of Hillary Clinton giving a speech, I believe it was Germany, but don't quote me on that one because I'm not entirely sure that that's where it was. But but she said she was in her speech, she was telling the audience that Donald Trump is disrupting the new world order. Excellent. I'm glad for that. And then, of course, I think, they that that, I think that. Mm -hmm. And then they stole the election to keep him from standing in their way and of course they did all the distractions of the impeachment 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 and all the other nonsense the miller report everything they could do to put the brakes on donald trump so that they could get back on track now they've got agenda 20 well agenda 2030 but actually it all comes down to the world economic forum and the great reset is that correct, correct? okay that is correct yes all right so that's what so, got you. so move it forward. Yeah, that is what that's what got me started, and that's what let me know that. And then, then aside from that, there was also a, a 2008 in the election, the presidential election. In 2008, I still considered myself an independent because I was raised as a Democrat. I grew up in a family full of Democrats. Everybody was a Democrat, and um, so I believe. Believed I was a Democrat until I became an adult, and then at, in my early twenties, I thought, you know what? I'm not really a Democrat because I like some Democrats and I like some Republicans, so I'm an independent. So then I became a self-proclaimed independent, and uh, so in tw in 2008, in that presidential election, um, out comes um, Barack Obama, and I thought to myself, who is this guy? I don't know who he is, and I may vote for this guy, right? Because he seemed like a, you know, he was smooth, you know, he had that. Oh, yeah. Package. So, uh, yeah. So I, mm -hmm, so I started researching and uh, I was, I was extremely shocked at the stuff I was finding about him. I could not believe that they, that this guy was even a presidential candidate. And um, so I started looking, uh, you know, flipping through news channels to see if anybody was reporting any of the stuff I was finding. 
And the only well, news channel I found that was reporting even some of what I, I'm sorry, go ahead. Well, I'm just, I don't mean to cut you off, except I have to because we're coming up on a break. We have uh, about 30 seconds towards commercial break. And I want you to remember exactly what you were talking about and where you were talking about it when we come back, folks, with Cindy Holland. And uh, we're going to come back after the break with Your American Heritage. Thanks for joining us today. We were made to be courageous. We were made to lead the way. We could be the generation that finally breaks the chains. We were made to be courageous. We were made to be courageous. We were warriors on the front lines, standing unafraid. Absolutely. Warriors on the front line, standing unafraid, being courageous. Folks, thanks for returning to Your American Heritage. I'm your host, Ed Bondarenka. Joining me today is a warrior, Cindy Holland. She was telling us about her uh, political progress. But like I was telling her during the break, uh, prog progress has almost gotten a bad taste to it. But it's a word and uh, it explains how she came to the position she is today. So, and we're talking about being courageous. Talk, well, talk about being courageous. She was telling me about knocking on doors for political candidates. And I was telling her that I wish I could do that for Jesus Christ. I wish I could go and knock on doors and tell people about Jesus Christ. And maybe I'm almost there. Just uh, mm -hmm. so back to Cindy, continue with your story, please. So you were telling us okay, about. Okay, so. Uh, go ahead. Um, so, yeah. So. Uh, so in, in, in 2000, during that presidential election, I, um, you know, was researching Obama and all that stuff. So I, I started flipping through these different news channels, trying to see if anyone was reporting any of this research that I was stumbling on. And the only that was even reporting half of it was Fox. And so that's kind of where I started figuring out that we're being played by the news media. And um, I started thinking, wow, there is really something wrong. There's something wrong. There's things are going on in this country and things are happening. You know, when I was researching all of that stuff before and looking through all of those things, it never really crossed my mind that any of this stuff would even come to fruition in a lifetime. And so um, I, you know, initially doing the research, I just didn't feel um, the need to jump in and do something. Um, but uh, moving forward, you know, Obama was elected, you know, uh, uh, ultimately. And um, so it was right around 2014 when um, I think uh, a lot of the country was probably also feeling a lot of the things that I was feeling about uh, what was happening in our country. I sat down at the computer one day and I watched this video that somebody had created themselves. And uh, the music in the background was um, disturbed. Um, that the, the cover that the um, group disturbed did um, the sound of silence. So that was mm -hmm. the song playing in the background and they were showing all the different images of the things that have been happening in our country. 
and um and it brought me to tears literally and i felt like at that moment i was actually mourning the death of our country yeah well there's that emotional part that's okay so yeah so um that's when i said i got to do something now prior to this i will tell you i was always a bashful person I wasn't really an outspoken person. I never spoke in public. Uh, and I didn't knock doors and talk to strangers. But um, at this moment in my life, I felt so compelled that I had to step up and do something. I, I can't I, I can't just not do anything. I, I have to do something. My, my children have to know that I did something to save this country for them. So what did you do? So I started looking into some stuff and I actually got involved with True the Vote. Um, and then we all know what happened uh, with uh, the IRS targeting um, mm -hmm. Catherine Engelbrecht. They nearly bankrupt her, by the way. And um, so she kind of pulled back. And at that, at that time, I got involved with Heritage Action for America. And Heritage Action was largely... Um, the reason why a lot of Obama's um, agenda didn't go through in his second term. Um, because, uh, so I'll give you some background on what Heritage um, Action does. They are conservative um, grassroots organization based out of D.C. And they use the voice of the people to lobby Congress. So that's what I, that, that's what I initially started doing. And I did that for a long time until, uh, well, until 2016. Well, essentially 2015, late 2015 when I started um, running my own Trump campaign from my, uh, I, I created um, some different uh, group pages on different social media platforms. Um, called, and the name of the ones that I had was, uh, we are Americans and we want our country back. And I had people in my groups from all across the country. And uh, I did research. I, um, I, I actually signed on to uh, signed up and paid for a membership for um, National Archives so that I could get um, articles. And uh, I found a lot of history on Trump that I, I uh, put out on social media so, so that people would know what a generous heart that man actually has. And um, um, and then I kept people informed about what was going on uh, across the country with uh, voting and, and those types of things and kept people informed about their voting rights, what the law were and, uh, you know, getting people registered and all of that kind of stuff. And, um, and I worked you got so involved. hard to get Trump elected that on election. And yes, and that's so I, I'm sorry, on election. Night, I, I was worked so hard to get Trump elected on election election night when he won. I woke up the next morning and on my Facebook page, I had all kinds of people congratulating me, like I won the election or something, because they knew how hard I worked to get Trump elected. That was a nail biter. Uh, yeah, it was very emotional. Yeah, it was emotional though, you know, because it was. I worked I hard out, for that, and I uh, went out my driveway. And that was gratifying. I went out in my driveway at three o'clock in the morning after the, after the election was given to Trump, and uh, I lit off fireworks in my driveway. <laughs> but so then you got involved with the Colbeck <laughs> campaign, right? Yes. So um, after Trump got elected, 
connected. I deleted my social media accounts because I worked so hard. I was like, I just want a break. Trump is elected. I can breathe now. <laughs> um, but then about two weeks later, I re, re, uh, I put, you know, signed back on for all my social media accounts, made new, new, new accounts for social media because I realized, okay, so the fight's not over. They actually are going to try to take the nomination from Trump. So I got back on social media. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so we all know how that played out. But um, that's when I decided I was going to, uh, I researched the Republican platform. And um, I said, if if they take this nomination away from Trump, like the Democrats did to Bernie Sanders, um, I will remain an independent. But if they don't take that nomination from Trump, I'm going to look into to, uh, becoming a Republican and I am going to run as a precinct delegate so that I can help save him for his re-election. And, and precinct uh, so delegate, that's, that's a that's precinct delegate is a very important position, right? It, absolutely. That's what I found out. So I researched the Republican platform and this is important because I want your viewers to understand that. Um, and the Republican platform is the best political platform in existence. And the reason why I say that is because the Republican platform is in direct correlation with the U.S. Constitution, the Declaration of Independence, and the Bill of Rights. And all three of those documents were written on biblical principle. And that make that is what really affirms my position as myself as a Republican. Now Matt and term, so yes Matt? being a precinct oh. delegate becoming a precinct delegate is the most important thing you can do if you want to reform your political party. And so we have so many what I call fake Republicans that are being elected and um and they're getting elected into um party position and so we're being infiltrated and in order to take that party back in, and to install the proper leadership and uh, get the party back on track and make sure everybody that claims to be a Republican adheres to that party platform and understands and knows the Constitution adheres to that Constitution and uh, being a a precinct delegate is is that's that's one of the reasons why it's so important is because precinct delegates are the ones who elect party leadership. They also elect the nominees for secretary of state, attorney general, Michigan Supreme Court justices, state board of education, and uh, university of Michigan regents and MSU trustees. So, and so those are all very important positions. Oh yeah, definitely. And uh, Matt Jones, uh, Matt, I'm sorry, somebody else. Uh, my son just texted me, and I went, uh, uh, Matt Tiperno, um He was telling us that there are a thousand available delegate seats, and only like how many of those are taken? Two, two hundred, three hundred, and so there's a lot of room for people to get involved, right? Absolutely. 
frankly, we have we have um, precinct districts that have absolutely zero Republican delegates. And when you leave those seats open, that's why we don't have enough delegates to vote in proper proper leadership. If you're not happy with the party leadership, and and some people are, because we do have some good people in our party leadership positions, but we also have some people that shouldn't be there. And um, in order to elect proper party leadership, you should represent it because that's how that happens. Okay, so um, we have a couple callers on the phone right now. By the way, when is the convention? The convention is in April, right? So, yeah, yeah. So what they have done is implemented a new system of um, an endorsement convention. And the endorsement convention is going to happen on April 11th. Uh, well, I'm sorry. First, you're going to go to your county convention on April 11th. When you go to your county convention, you're going to um, be elected by your peers, the, which is the other precinct delegates. They all vote to send um, a, speci a specified number of precinct delegates to that state party endorsement convention. And those delegates will um, vote on who the nominees are going to be on the ballot for our 2022 election for those positions that I recently just um, talked okay. about. So there's time for people to get involved, say like a week and a half for people to get involved, but it's very important that they do, right? Uh, Is yes. it possible? Well, currently, so currently, um, what if you are not a precinct delegate right now, but you want your voice to be heard at the state convention, what you can do is go on your county clerk's website and use the search bar to type in 2020 elected Republican precinct delegates. The list will come up, you find your precinct, you locate those delegates, and then you contact them. It has their contact information on there as well. So you contact them and you say, um, you're the precinct delegate that was elected in my district, and this is the person I would like you to vote for at state convention. Okay, well, that's a step. That's a step. Mm -hmm. We have a. Uh, and then the next thing you need to do, the next thing, I'm sorry, the next thing you need okay. to do is go to your county clerk's office and uh, file the paperwork to become a precinct delegate so that you will be in the ballot in August, in the August primary in 2022. Excellent, that's great. Let's take a call from Tom from Detroit. Now this going back to our, what's the definition of a woman, I believe. So Derek, could you put Tom on the phone, please? Hi, uh, yeah, Hi, you know, uh, there was one Republican host that I heard talking saying that, uh, you know, the, uh, Katanji isn't, it probably isn't, is probably the best of, uh, of all of the other picks, but, you know, may, I don't know if he's trying to make his audience feel better or what. But you know, on the question of what is a woman, you know, I, you know, it's when you get in uh, talking to judges and you get into the law, and you know, it's a minefield. And I, so I'd ask you, uh, okay, uh, is a woman a person? You know, you're going to say yes, right? Well, then, uh, but if you if I look look in my uh, Black's Law Dictionary on the definition of person, I see there's a, a whole page of definitions here. But the general definition says human being, i.e., natural person, 
by statute, the term may include labor organizations, partnerships, uh, yeah. corporations, you know, on and on. And those are all persons. So, I, you know, I think the question really was and that, you know, how are you going to rule if, you know, you get one of these uh, transgender cases? Uh, you know, and I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I guess she, they have to grill her, but I don't know. Yeah, I, I've been here. Well, She's going to be purpose. confirmed anyways, but. Uh, I know, but I that's just, the purpose. And you know, there's there's one other thing I wanted to before I forget. Okay, there, I uh, I like to read uh, legal maxims, and there's one from uh, Digestive Justonian, uh, five forty one A.D. It says he acts in fraud of the law through the letter of the law being involuntary, uses the law contrary to its intention, and you know I, I'm thinking that's that's. Where we uh, we're getting all of these laws passed, like they just passed the ominous bill, you know. Was, I guess it was a couple thousand pages got laid on their uh, desk the day before voting, and the government would shut down if they didn't vote. And you know, who knows what's in there? Who know? You know, I mean, the language is in there, but what's the intention? Whatever's in the uh, mm-hmm. you know the short title, uh, everything else can that be considered trash or? Well, when you talk about clear intent, you should go back to the Federalist Papers when you're trying to interpret the Constitution, right? Clear intent. But they refuse to do that because it's a living document. Thanks for calling, Tom. I appreciate it. Always always good good questions from Tom. So uh, we have Joe from Wyandotte about uh, getting involved politically. I doubt he knows much about that, so that's why he has a lot of questions. Can we talk to Joe now? <laughs> yeah. I've only been involved in politics since 1978, uh, and that's part of the reason I'm calling. Hey, Cindy, it was great seeing you again at our Wayne 12th meet and greet on the 10th. Hello? Oh, thank you. It was nice to see you, too. I was glad to be there. Yeah, and I'm glad you told your story the way you did, because I want to expound on and, and yeah a point you made because you, you oh, made no. an Let me go get a couple of water. I this think is going to be a while. Kind of glossed over. Like I said, I've been involved since 78. So I've seen a whole lot of people, unfortunately, acting like liberal snowflakes. They don't know anything. They're not willing to learn anything. And they're just upset. And then when they don't get their way immediately, they go right back to the couch. I've seen Endless parade of people come, think they're going to make a difference, one election, and they're gone. You've got to be committed for the long term. Like Cindy pointed out, she figured out it wasn't a one election thing. It's a rest of your lifetime commitment because if all of those people over the last three or four decades that I've seen come and go that were all upset, would have still been involved, we would not be where we are today. So don't be all upset and say you're going to become a delegate because I won't see most of these people 10 years from now. And that's a challenge. Prove me wrong. Come up to me like the Rush song says. I've heard it all before. Show me, don't tell me. Come up in 10 years and say to my face, hey, I'm still here, and I will say thank you. But where is everybody else that just became a delegate? Commitment. Commit for the long term. Right, Cindy? 
That is absolutely correct because, like I tell everybody all the time, we're not going to correct this in one election cycle. This is going to be a, a long-term commitment because the agenda that is being pushed upon us right now has been in uh, in play for decades. And we're not going to solve that problem overnight. It's going to take us twice as long to correct the damage that has been done over the last several decades. It's like a ship. You can't turn the ship till you slow it down, even sometimes have to stop it before you can turn it around to get it going the other way. It isn't going to turn on a dime, and I'm seeing it again. I just got a call from my good friend Margaret, who's part of the Stand Up Michigan crowd. They got a lot of people who want to become delegates, and we had a nice, honest conversation. I'm seeing that again. These little fiefdoms pop up, they're upset, they get involved, then they disappear just as quickly as they can. Keen. All right. And we Thanks, cannot Joe. allow that to happen again because it's going to take us. We have to get more later and then still more later, and then we will finally be able to stop and steer this ship back to the platform. Like you pointed out, that's the key. The Republican Party in the platform is not the problem. The problem is the people who have been asleep and on their couch and uninvolved to allow the rhino leadership to hold power. Thanks, Joe. Appreciate it. Good call. And we're going to talk to another warrior. Yep. We're going to talk to another warrior, Elizabeth from Troy. Elizabeth, welcome to the show again. Good afternoon, my favorite patriots. I have a comment to make. I was Pat Colbeck's Oakland County Volunteer Coordinator, and I used to go to lots of meetings, tea party groups, etc. And I would sit there, stand there, giving them an update, and listen to them whining about what they wanted us, Pat, etc., to do. And they were too lazy to get up off of their comfy couches. So the Republicans tend to whine and not do, right, Cindy? That's correct. And so we, so we conservatives need to, be, need to Yep, I, I agree. I'm sorry, go ahead. Yep, we need to be involved. That means being a precinct delegate, going to meetings. If you don't win your precinct delegate race, get involved in other ways. Knock on doors. You know, you can you can act like a precinct delegate in your neighborhood. My neighbors all know where I stand regarding, you know, government and politics. Anyway, God bless you for everything you're doing. Your story was great, Cindy. And Ed, thank, thank you. Thanks and for calling I know, me. I, I, I know, Elizabeth, we're, we're actually very good friends. I love her dearly. She is a solid Christ-following patriot. Excellent. That's for sure. Phil from Detroit, you've got like 10 seconds. I'll give you 10 seconds. Elevator pitch. I'm John. God bless. But unless we can get the vote back, uh, none of this really matters, as you all know. we got to get our voter yep, integrity back. Yep. And so Cindy, you're involved in that anymore. too, right? Electoral reform. They'll steal it. Yes. All right. That's it. Yeah. All right, thanks, Bill. You did well. You did well, right? Cut to the chase because in about 10 <laughs> seconds, the music's going to start as Derek's about to tell me. So one minute. Yes. So our guest today has been Cindy Holland. 
And the takeaway from this conversation is you need to get involved to get the government you want. And the baseline for that is the easiest way you can do it is precinct delegate. And there's an easy process for that. Now, I bet you if I asked her, Cindy would put it on her Facebook page, exactly what she told us today on how to do it. So you can find Cindy Holland, C-I-N-D-I Holland. Thank you very much. And Cindy, thanks for joining us today. Uh, I've got about 20 seconds left. I'm going to run it right up to the commercials. <laughs> Have a blessed day. God save America. America bless God. Thanks Thank for joining you. us.